Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment Quick Strike for Monday, January 16th, 2023. I'm trying something different again today. I'm playing around with the streaming platform from StreamYard and am trying to stream on a couple of platforms. So I have no idea how well this is going to work or not, um, but we'll just go ahead. Those of you who listen to this on the podcast, usual time, you won't even know what I'm talking about. So start out today with malware attack on CircleCI's engineer's laptop leads to recent security incident. And this is from the Hacker News. DevOps platform CircleCI, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, on Friday disclosed that an un unidentified threat actor is compromised an employee's laptop and leveraged malware to steal their two-factor authentication-backed credentials to breach the company's systems and data and on December 16th, 2022. Now, this apparently began with reconnaissance activity on December or continued on with reconnaissance activity on December 19th and then followed by the data exfiltration on December 22nd. The malware went undetected by its antivirus software. The malware executed session cookie theft, which enabled impersonation of the targeted employee in a remote location and then escalated across the access to a subset of their production systems. This Included customer environment variables, tokens, and keys. Doesn't sound good. This came a little bit of a week after CircleCI urged its customers to rotate all of their secrets, which it said was necessitated by after it was loaded to, quote, suspicious GitHub OAuth activity by one of its customers on December 29th, 2022. Upon learning upon that, that the customer's OAuth token had been compromised, it proactively took the step of rotating all GitHub OAuth tokens. Next up, do you use Fortinet security devices? You need to listen to this. Attackers deploy a sophisticated Linux implant on Fortinet network security devices, this according to CSO. In December, Fortinet disclosed that a critical vulnerability in its Fortinet OS operating system was being exploited by attackers in the wild. After additional analysis, the company released more details about a sophisticated malware implant. The original zero-day attack was highly targeted to government-related entities. I don't think that that means just government-related entities, though, so don't take that as an assumption. And the article goes on to note that since the vulnerability had been known for quite some time, over a month, all customers should patch it as soon as possible as more attackers could start exploiting the vulnerability, which is tracked as CVE 2022-42475. It is the... SSL VPN functionality of 40 OS. But Fortinet rated the vulnerability 9.3 on the CVS, CVSS scale. They have released updates to major variants of 40 OS, 40 OS 6K, 7K, and 40 proxy. Hopefully, if you're a Fortinet customer, you know what those mean. I don't. They are, they are obviously products that they have. Fortinet did note, though, that one workaround for customers who can't immediately deploy the updates for whatever reason is to disable SSL VPN entirely. Now, that certainly sounds like a kind of a draconian approach. If you rely upon that SSL VPN connectivity to enact your business. Uh, they also noted that they can search their logs for entries noted in the example in the article, which could indicate exploitation attempts. So there are some examples in the article. From Industrial Cyber, Hacker Group discloses the ability to encrypt a remote terminal unit or RTO device using ransomware. This is apparently something new. This is an anonymous group affiliate. 
has claimed that it conducted a, quote, first ever ransomware attack against an RTU. And RTUs are small devices typically deployed across industrial control system environments. This ransomware attack executed GoSec ransomware during Op Russia, hashtag Op Russia. This is apparently this group's favorite operation. And explained that it as only they can in support of Ukraine. In its Twitter message, Anonymous Operations wrote that, quote, everybody knows that GoSec has been raising the bar since we started attacking ICS, industrial control systems. Now it's time to push the hacking history even further beyond. It's time to write our name in a new hacking game. It's to start a new race. Apparently that refers to a cyber attack arms race. Sounds like Anonymous added that the age of ransomware um, is now here. Um, Security researcher Joe Slotnick, Slowick, excuse me, noted in a Thursday post that ransomware impacting industrial operations and environments is a very much a real thing, as documented by multiple parties. This quote from him: "The scope and nature of such operations, though, will almost certainly be limited to what has been observed to date: operations targeting IT and IT-based systems with inadvertent and sometimes quite limited industrial impacts." Well. To me, it does seem that it, ICS will be targeted and threat actors will continue to see the value of attacking, or as the article pointed out, at least in the value of saying that they claim to attack ICSs. From Dark Reading, Norton Lifelock warns on password manager account compromises. This seems to be a little bit of an ongoing theme. Norton Lifelock customers have fallen victim to a credential stuffing attack. Cyber attackers used a third-party list of stolen username and password combinations to attempt to break into Norton accounts and possibly password managers. LifeLock is sending data breach notifications to customers, noting that it picked up on the activity on December 12th when its IDS systems flagged, quote, an unusually high number of failed logins, end quote, on Norton accounts. After a 10-day investigation, it turns out that the activity stretched back to December 1st, according to LifeLock. It's not how accounts were actually compromised, though. Attackers were able to access names, phone numbers, and mailing addresses from any Norton accounts where they were successful. And LifeLock can't rule out that strong passwords in the password manager were not compromised. Now, the article goes on to explain, in case you're not aware of a credential stuffing attack, that in such a case, threat actors use a list of logins obtained from another source, buying cracked accounts on the dark web, for example, to try against new accounts, hoping that users will reuse their email addresses and passwords across multiple platforms, which is why we as security evangelists say don't do that. So that in case you have one password, username, password combination compromised, it won't compromise multiple systems. The article wraps up by saying that attackers lately have been focusing on identity and access management systems. Of course, LastPass being the most recent and probably most well-known. And this is because one compromise can unlock data across several high-value accounts for attackers. Now, also from Dark Reading, just a little note here that Cloudflare has been awarded a $7.2 million contract from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, to provide registry and authoritative DNS services to the .gov top-level domain. Now, most of you know CISA as the nation's top risk advisor. They work with partners to defend against today's threats and collaborating to build a more secure and resilient infrastructure for the future. 
That's from the article, not from a CISA marketing brochure. CISA builds the nascent cap capability to defend against cyber attacks by providing cybersecurity tools and so on. And they make .gov domains available at no cost to U.S.-based government organizations. And so with this contract, Cloudflare will be providing managed name servers for the .gov zone and authoritative DNS toasting for .gov domain names. So in other words, whenever you're going to go to something.gov, like tn.gov for tennessee.gov or something like that, you'll be hitting a DNS record that is managed by Cloudflare. Next, I have a little bit of a tripware blog where C-suite security, how IT teams improve security culture. You know, security culture can be nebulous, even maybe more so than, like, say, risk appetite, although the two are closely intertwined. Defining what security culture means is a little bit of a difficult uh, exercise. So I found this interesting. I think anything that's promoting security culture is worth sharing. Now, according to this blog post, every person in an organization has the potential to enhance security. I would say the responsibility. Thus, the importance of promoting a culture of security across the entire corporate environment, no matter how broadly that environment lies. One way to impact better security behavior is by demonstrating security culture at the highest level of the organization. So they're talking about that C-level security culture is so important. And I'll stop here for a moment and opine how many times have you, if you've been working with a client or in your organization and your C-suite, say the CEO, they're very hesitant to want to do security training because it's they don't need to. It's not worth their time. Their time is valuable, maybe as one example. And that's really not a proper methodology to, to promote security culture awareness and security culture changes because what happens at the top will filter down. You're setting an example. So it's more important for you to do that as the CEO and other members of the C-suite. So the blog post goes on to postulate about how companies can improve C-suite security culture. Uh, one that they say is to engage relevant external organizations. More than 80% of corporate boards view cybersecurity as a business risk and have better profiles from mitigating cybersecurity risk, according to the article. And this could possibly be because they engage with external organizations to share inf incident information, such as like an ISAC, like FSISAC, and are more likely to have established and empowered a, a CISO. And I would add to that a virtual CISO. I would agree with that. Certainly one of the things that we help our clients with is with sharing threat intel. Number two, implement security-centered culture through awareness training. Workers may improve password security and data privacy while forming online behaviors that will benefit the company. Additionally, making sure that the C-suite is aware of existing security gaps and the risk that they cause is one of the CISO's top priorities. The risk register was to also consider the organization's risk appetite, which we talked about just a moment ago. And then finally, continuous improvement on organizational security programming. Uh, the CISO will continue to lead or should continue to lead the development of the organization's security program, defining the security mission and the culture to ensure integrity throughout the entire processing of a solid security culture. That sounds a little bit like word salad there to me, but I understand what they're trying to say. So having C-suite serving as a role models in the top will serve, help to highlight a company's overall commitment to cybersecurity. And then um, just a little note, too, as far as um, 
there are fraud, there's always fraud activity going on or trying to go on with regards to LinkedIn. I'm looking into one right now that may or may not be involved with regards to uh, board recruiting, and I may have something for that on the Friday wrap-up. And then finally, if I can pull this up, this is a blog from Cisco, and it's nine of top of mind issues for for CISOs going into 2023. Let me see if I can bring this up. I'm having a little bit of an issue here. Here we go. And as you know, I like to do these lists. I don't like to look at them beforehand, which is why I didn't bring it up until right now. So this is the this is an example of me not reading it until actually the time. But I'll take an article that has an interesting headline that is a list in list format and go through the list. So this is again from CISO Blogs, nine top of mind issues for CISOs going into 2023. Number one, CISO, ooh, CISO in the firing line. Um, let's see. So one aspect that has come to the fore this year is a CISO's position is guardian of customer private data in the event of a breach and the responsibilities over the level of disclosure they later provide. And this whole area is getting CISOs thinking about their own personal liability more. Well, certainly, sure. I think the trigger for this, they don't mention it here explicitly, but probably would be the um, Uber breach and then the subsequent legal actions against the former CISO of Uber. So, um, yeah, I would imagine that would be top of mind for CISOs out there. Number two, increasing demands for insurers. Absolutely. Uh, cyber insurance, according to the blog, has become a no newsworthy topic over the last 24 months, mainly due to the hardening of the market as insurance products have become less profitable for underwriters and insurers costs have risen. We've seen this before where some insurers are taking the path where they're redefining what a cyber attack actually is and putting more exclusionary language into their policies. You need to read it closely, but they're also demanding that you have a more solid program if that's proper English there, because you're the the old standard of an uh, an underwriter sending out a questionnaire and you filling it in, maybe ten questions, that's going out the window. You have to be able to demonstrate that you have a much more solid information security program in place. In some instances, I wouldn't be surprised if later down the road that they're going to be requiring more third party attestation that would be representative representative, excuse me, to the particular area that you're in. For example, healthcare, you might need high trust certification. Number three, getting the basics right. Totally agree with this. I'm not even going to read the rest of this. It's like, if you don't understand the basic, what, what some people would say, blocking and tackling, you're not going to do too, too well because you don't have that infrastructure underneath. You don't have that foundation of what's actually going on. So, so just some of the um, very basic ideas of security awareness, understanding where your information is so that you can protect it. These are things that have not changed in the 30 plus years that I've been in IT and information security. Number four, CISOs are going to be looking at how zero trust progresses. It's interesting. Um, according to Forrester, the term zero trust was born in 2009. Since then, it's been used liberally by different cybersecurity vendors with various degrees of accuracy. And that was actually my first thought here, too, is that to me, zero trust, air quotes, is more of a marketing term than anything. Um, trust no one, trust but verify. I don't know. Re regardless of what marketing type of wording you put in place or what how you describe, describe your strategy, 
you have to understand where your information is and how it's being protected, what controls are in place. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, I do agree, I think, with this statement here. It says the key to the success on a zero trust journey is to set up the right governance mode with the relevant stakeholders and communicate all changes. Yes, I agree with that. The Cisco apparently has an ebook out there for achieving the five phases of achieving zero trust. Um, and then they also have a guide for zero to zero trust maturity. I'm not endorsing these. I haven't read them, but it is in the blog post. Number five, ransomware on how to do with it. We've seen over the last couple of years, much more importance. And certainly we talk about this with our clients and having a ransomware playbook in place in order to have something to follow when you're, quote, in the heat of the battle, when when you're battling against the ransomware extortionists and you, you need to have the trigger points already well-defined prior to deciding whether or whether or not to pay the ransom. So I think that that would be top of mind for CISOs in 2003, uh, 2023, excuse me. I slipped back 20 years there. Number six, from security awareness to culture change. Well, yep, we just talked about culture change. I totally agree with this. We, there has to be more focus on instilling security as a culture. Sometimes when, and this is my opinion, when you have too much security awareness activities, you, you have um, the tendency to have burnout. People are just burned out from the same old, same old information security awareness activities. Number seven, resign, resignations, recruitment, and retention. Yes, um, keeping a good, solid workforce in place is a difficult thing. It's always been a difficult challenge. This is actually something that I don't think that is new. Um, again, I've been in, in IT for over 30 years. I almost straight out the gate, my first position, I was supervising folks, uh, first full-time position. And, and yes, it's difficult to keep keep good talent on board, but that's life. I mean, top of mind, you have to, you have to have in your mind the, you have to already know what you're going to do if someone leaves. You can't, nobody should be indispensable on either side of the equation. Number eight, don't sleep on the impact of MFA fatigue. We've talked about multi-factor authentication fatigue before. One of the relatively new from last year methodologies that criminals are using to bypass MFA is they'll get your credentials, maybe from an attack against a password manager, for example, and then they start banging on the door, banging on the door, and your phone is lit up. And then finally, you're just like, you hit yes, just to make it go away, or you accidentally hit yes. So need to figure out ways around that. And then finally, number nine, third-party dependency. Uh, that should always be top of mind. We've had issues with third-party um, issues at uh, solar winds a few years ago was probably the one that everyone's going to be referring to for a few for, for some time now so and that's it for today uh we do have coming up tomorrow um brent forrest he is a cissp and a virtual CISO, and he will be joining us on the podcast tomorrow for our Tuesday episode. So thank you for all who uh, reached out to try to fill that slot that was taken, that, that was actually came available because I had the original person scheduled who had to, um, they, they weren't able to make it. So watch that, look forward to that. And until then, stay secure.